omnipresent and the same presence that's here tonight is the same presence of God that's in Africa right now, the same presence of God that's in Cambodia, in, in Bangladesh, in Afghanistan, um, in Australia, New Zealand, all over the world. God is seeking those uh, who are hungry for him, who are desperate for him. And um, I, as we travel and hear messages and hear sermons, I can't help but notice when there's like a vacuum or a deficit uh, or something missing um, behind the pulpits uh, of America. And believe me, we, we've seen a lot of pulpits in America and heard a lot of great messages. And one, one thing I, I feel like has, has been lost in our generation, especially in our generation, uh, the millennial generation, right? Uh, the, the, the 20-somethings right now, or even the 15-year-olds that, that might be here, or e- even the, the, the 30-somethings, the kind of millennial generation. One of the things that have been lost is, is the urgency of the coming of Christ. The urgency of the coming of Jesus. That Jesus is coming back. Um, like I said, we've traveled all over the country, heard so many messages, and I, 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 I'm sad to tell you, in the past seven years of us traveling, I've never heard one preacher, one pastor, preach about the coming, the soon return of Jesus Christ. And I, I, I you know, ask myself, why? Why, 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 wouldn't, why wouldn't we be talking about this? Why? Like Leland said, what gives, us, what gives us urgency and what gives us a mandate to preach the good news uh, into all the earth is because Jesus is coming back. And we don't want anyone to be left behind. We don't want anyone to not know the good news. And we have a generation of people who don't believe that he's coming back. They, they believe he's coming back, uh, uh, you know, a uh, thousand years. We're good. We're good to go. Let me tell you something. There's been such an a culmination of events. I'm, I mean, I'm pretty young. I'm, I'm in my late 20s, but I, you know, as I, as I look back in history, I don't think I have ever seen a time like this. And I've talked to some of my spiritual fathers and, and people that, that are a little bit older than me, and they said, Jack, I've never seen a time like this in history. That something is happening, and, and Doug Stringer was even talking about like last night. We, we are living in a very, very unique time in history, and Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back soon. And uh, in, in Acts, Acts 1, verse 11, Jesus is ascending back, back into heaven. Okay, first of all, sometimes, sometimes we, we kind of gloss over these things in the Bible that were really ridiculous and awesome. Okay, so Jesus a human, right, floats off of the ground and floats into the sky physically in front of people. Now, how would you respond to that, right? I've never seen anybody float, you know. Uh, I would like to see someone float. That would be awesome, you know, and uh, that would be really, really cool. That might happen this weekend, you know. No. Yeah, you know, if you guys want to float, hey, I'm all for signs and wonders. Amen. But if someone floated in front of me, I would be like, a, as my mom says, a cow staring at a new gate. All right? I'd just be like, and that's what these disciples are doing. They were literally absolutely dumbfounded. They, they looked kind of stupid, actually. You know, I would have looked kind of stupid looking at my, my, my rabbi, my, my teacher, 
my Savior, my Lord, ascending into heaven. And so they had this dumbfounded look on their face. And there were angels in the sky as Jesus was ascending. And, 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 and the, these angels, first of all, angels are probably kind of funny, I think, because I, I can just see the angels going, do you see how they're looking? Oh my gosh, this is amazing. And, and so they, 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 even, they go, even go as far as to kind of call them out on it. They're like, hey guys, like Jesus has already gone at this point. You don't have to stand around anymore and look, uh, you know, kind of blankly into heaven. This Jesus who was taken up, he's going to come back in the same way you saw him go into heaven. As Jesus physically ascended into heaven, he is physically going to descend back into this broken world and return as king and reign forever. And it could be tomorrow. And if you don't believe that, I, 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 I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to, to, to reignite the urgency of his return tonight, tonight in your heart. If you don't truly believe that he could come back tonight or tomorrow, I want you to ask God the Holy Spirit would ignite that in your heart. And to not follow a false doctrine of, of he's going to, you know, he's, we're good, he's coming 5,000 years from now. Jesus intended for every generation to eagerly expect his coming. Every generation to eagerly expect his coming. And at Awaken Nation, we, we, are, we are longing for revival. We are longing uh, for, uh, for the fullness of God's presence. And we know that that will hasten his coming. Amen. Like, like Leland said earlier, that every tongue and every tribe needs to hear the gospel. And that will hasten uh, his coming. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, it says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do and have no hope. So he's saying, you know, I know you're grieving of the people that you've lost, but, but we're believers here. We, we don't grieve as people who have absolutely no hope. Like Lila was saying, we have an eternal hope. We have an eternal future. That even when we lose a loved one, that, that, that if we know that their salvation was secure and their faith is in Jesus, we have a hope that we will see them in eternity. So, so we don't grieve like other people grieve. But we, we, we grieve, but we grieve with hope, knowing that there is something eternal. In verse 14, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with a voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Um, I, don't, I don't know about you, that encourages me. The fact that my Jesus is going to descend with the, with the sound of the trumpet call and an archangel beside him, with all the, with all the full force and authority of heaven, he's going to come back. And he is going to rescue his bride. He is going to bring us back home with him. Now, um, there's the temptation, right, to, to, to go, oh, sweet, you know, forget planet Earth, you know. Forget 
You know, forget Houston. Uh, Jesus is going to come back. I'm just going to hang out at Starbucks and just tweet, you know, until Jesus comes back. I'm good. I, I put my faith in him, you know. My faith is in him. I'm good to go. Me and Jesus are awesome. When he comes back, I'm with him. So you would think that there would be the temptation to lose the urgency to know that our salvation is secure, but it, it's the exact opposite. That, that our eternal destination and knowing that Jesus is going to rescue us should only increase our hunger and desire that every person on the face of the earth hear the gospel. It should only increase our urgency to, to fulfill our calling here on earth because our call, as we fulfill our calling here on earth, it will affect our destiny in heaven. How many you know there are going to be rewards in heaven? There are going to be rewards in heaven based on what you did for the Lord here on earth. Man, if you put your faith in Jesus, that's great, and you're going to spend eternity with him. But, but we are going to do things in heaven, and there are going to be rewards in heaven. And I want my treasure to be there, not here. And I feel like our generation needs to get this. If you're a young person here, I, I, I want you to understand that, that like, like Leland was saying, that when you're persecuted for preaching Jesus, that you understand that it's, there's a greater glory ahead of us, that there's a greater glory that we haven't seen. I believe that God's raising up a generation of, of young people who aren't afraid to literally sacrifice everything for him, to sacrifice everything for him. God has convicted me about this, you guys. We, we spend so much money on, on just dumb stuff. My, my wife and I recently, uh, um, we, we decided to sponsor a child with, with Food for the Hungry. And, uh, you know, my wife is smarter than me, uh, as most, most men will attest that women are, are smart. Every time we play Boggle, she just, like, crushes me. She has a list of, like, 100 words, and I have a list of eight words, you know. And she always kills me. But, see, so she was already sponsoring a child when, when, when we... When we got married. So I'm like, <clears throat> uh, you know, I got to be the, the man of the house here, the spiritual leader. So I go, all right, we're, we're, we're going to sponsor another child. We're going to sponsor two kids now that we're married because you're going to be more spiritual now, you know? So we really just kind of stepped out and did it. There, there wasn't really any, any deep kind of like spiritual thing. Like, hey, we want to help two kids instead of one. I mean, you know, it doesn't always have to be deep and spiritual. It's just common sense. Like, hey, let's help people, right? Because we're the church. And so so I was like, all right, let's just sponsor a second child. And I didn't realize that, I didn't realize that, you know, uh, money, you know, when I lived with my parents, money was like limitless. It was crazy. I would just go like, hey, mom. And they'd be like, $10. And it would just keep coming out. And, and, and finally, it, you know, they would just smack me in the face and it would stop coming. So, but, but, um. When I got married, I found out that life wasn't like that, right? That we only had a certain amount of money, and we, you would run out of money if you spent all of it. And, uh, and so <laughs> we started noticing this trend, like kind of midway during the month, uh, you know, we were running out of money, and we're like, okay, we got to figure this out, so we got a budget, right? So, so now we got to figure out what we can cut out of our budget so we can afford uh, various things. And as you know, those of you who've tried to do this, you understand there's only so many things you can cut out of your budget, right? So I'm like, oh, I'm going to go Starbucks once this whole month, just once. My wife's like, yeah, right. You know, I'm an addict. So, um, so I'm trying to figure out what I can cut. So we're like, oh, I'll cut some Starbucks and, you know, 
maybe Netflix, whatever. But God, God came in as he does with his, his gentle conviction. How I many you know that, that, that God, is, God is so gentle um, and the Holy Spirit is, is a gentleman? And so we, we asked the Lord, we're like, God, what, what do you want us to give up so we can sponsor these two kids? Because I, we ain't cutting that out. I can tell you right now, that's the last thing we're cutting. And we just heard God whisper to us, your cable. And I'm like, I was like, what, Lord? Huh? My cable? Oh, I didn't hear you. I, I didn't, what was that again? You know? And God gently said again, your cable. Just, just get rid of your cable. I was like, but God, that's my cable. It's my Fox Soccer Channel. It's my House Hunters International. Okay? It's my Fox News. I mean, I, I, need, I need my stuff. And so... It's really amazing. When the Lord asks you to do something, he gives you the grace to do it. And, you know, we just did it, you know. And it was our, our kind of, you know, dumb little sacrifice, American sacrifice that we made so we could sponsor some kids. And so I, I, God convicted my heart and said, is, is there a generation that is willing to give up some dumb stuff so that we can change the world? Is there a generation that's willing to say, okay, I'm, I, I, I'm not going to spend money. I'm not going go to mo- go to movies for, for three months. I'm not going to spend money on, on this dumb thing or this dumb thing so that, so that I, can, I can give money so that the gospel is preached in, in, uh, in New Guinea. Or I can give, give money so that the gospel is preached in Africa or Afghanistan. That I, I'm going to use my, even my money to propagate the gospel. I'm going to make personal sacrifices so that the gospel could go to the ends of the earth. Amen. God, God doesn't just want our time. He also, he also wants our resources. He wants everything we have as an offering, as a sweet incense to him. And so God is calling us with an urgency, knowing that Jesus is coming back, that Jesus could come back in three days from now. He could come back very soon to give our lives away as, as, a, sac- as, a, as a sacrifice. And as, as Dale just quoted Romans chapter 1, that our life is a, is a living sacrifice in him, and this is our reasonable service. Um, what, what we call radical, heaven, heaven actually calls reasonable. Okay? We're like, oh, great, I'm going to go be radical. And, and, you know, in light of what God has done for us, it's just reasonable, really. In, in light of his grace, in light of his love for you, in light of how much he, he, he cares for you and believes in you, in, in light of what he has saved you from, our, a radical response to him is just reasonable. And I, I want this weekend for us, for God to stir in our hearts a radical response, uh, which is actually just reasonable. Jesus is coming back. And we need to work as we wait and as we tarry for him. We've been, we need to work for him, and he will give us the grace to accomplish it. In Matthew 24, um, and I'm not going to go very much longer, but... I, I wanted to highlight this to us, to especially the younger people in here, because I, I know maybe some of the older generation, you've heard this a lot before, but our younger generation hasn't. Uh, in Matthew 24, uh, in verse 29, Jesus goes, and I'm, I'm going to read uh, through this and, and expound, so just, just bear with me, be patient. In verse 29, it says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven. That's crazy, right? So just craziness in the sky. 
and powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heaven to the other. So what that's talking about there, Jesus is coming back and gathering the elect. The elect are basically those who have put their faith in Jesus and he is gathering them from the four winds. And in verse 32, it says that from the fig tree, we need to learn a lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that the summer is near. He's saying, so, you know, when a fig tree starts, you know, showing those little green branches, you know summer is coming. Well, he says, in the same way, there's going to be signs that you know that the, that the Son of Man is coming. See also, when you see all these signs, you know that he is near. At the, and he is at the very gates. And I'm telling you tonight, Jesus is at the very gates of our life. He is waiting to come back. He is coming back soon. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. I believe that Jesus wants a generation, every generation, to say this generation will not pass until Jesus comes. And it's not out of fear, it's not, it's not out of worry, but it's out of an eager expectation to meet someone that you love. We talk about Abba, Daddy, God, and, and that is awesome. God is our Abba, God, God is a Father, he is, our, he is our Daddy, He loves you so much. But I'm amazed that the same people who would say that would, would also deny the coming of the Savior, the soon coming of Jesus. If you believe He's your Abba Father, if you believe He's your Daddy God, you should eagerly expect His coming. Verse 36, but concerning the day and the hour, no one knows. We don't know the exact time. Not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but the Father only knows the exact time. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the, the, the coming of the Son of Man. Now listen to this. For as in those days of Noah days, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them away. This is incredible. So Noah's building his ark, being obedient to God. It was a response of faith to God, which is what our salvation is, right? It's a response of faith to, to, to the gift. God gave Noah a gift. He said, hey, I'm going to give you a ticket out of this thing, right? I'm giving you a free gift. What if Noah would have just sat back? And not built. He had to accept. That's what faith is. Accepting the gift. The free gift. And so he accepted it. He built the ark. He accepted the salvation. And, and, and the, the Bible says that as this was happening. People were just going about their lives. They were going about their normal day. They were going to school. They were going to work. Uh, they, they were playing games. They were, they, were, you know, they were drinking. They were eating. They were getting married. All the normal things that normal people do, all things that, that not one of those things listed was a sin. They were, they, 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 they were drinking cranberry juice, right? All right? And they were eating, and they were, and they were getting married. All those things are wonderful things, but they were absolutely oblivious to the flood that was coming, and they were all swept away. Jesus says, 
That is exactly how it's going to be in the last days. That there will be people eating and drinking and making merry. All the while not understanding that Jesus could come back at any moment. And a twinkling of an eye. And he said, And they were unaware until the flood came, and, and so, so, will be, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. In verse 40, that two men will be in the field, and one will be taken, and one will be left. Two women will be, will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, but one will be left. Um, I, 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 I say this with, a, with, a, with sadness in my heart tonight, that there will be some people potentially who will be left behind. Because they did not put their faith in Jesus. And that's our job to tell them. Paul said, how will they believe unless they hear it? We've got to tell them. They've got to hear it. It's their choice uh, to choose, but we've got to tell them. Verse 42 says, therefore, stay awake. Everybody say, stay awake. Awaken nation. Stay awake. Stay sober. Stay alert. For you do not know what day your Lord is coming, but know this, that if the master of the house had known in part uh, the, the, the night that the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have left his house to be broken into. Therefore, you must also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So he's saying it, it, it's like a guy that, that his house got robbed, but he, if he would have been alert, if he would have been focused, his house would not have got robbed. And so... He would not have gotten taken off guard. And in verse 45, he says, Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find doing so when he comes. He basically, he's saying here that everybody is set over a household, right? I'm, I'm I'm a husband, I'm a father. I am responsible for my household, and to give them the food, to give them meat, to give them the word of God. I'm the spiritual leader. I will be held accountable for my kids. Whether, whether, whether I, I preach the word of God to them, whether I, whether I based our home on the word of God. And parents, I'm telling, let me tell you something. That, that, that this generation needs you. They need you to be, to be hard on them when, when, when you have to be. To love them extravagantly. But, but, but to say, son, I'm not going to let you run rampant on my house. I'm not going to give you privacy. I'm not going to give you unfettered access to the internet. I, I, I'm going to guard you. I am going to base our, our, this household on the word of God. And let me tell you something. God will bless you. He's so serious about it that he says this. He says, blessed is the servant whose master finds this person doing that. He said, truly I say to you, I will set him over all my possessions if God is promising you to, put you to put you over all his possessions, all his resources, this is something that he really wants you to do. We're responsible for the household we're leading. And young people, you're like, oh, well, I ain't got no household. What are you talking about? I'm, I'm just on my skateboard, you know, listening to my iPod, you know. Let me tell you something. God has given you, he's given you something awesome to preside over. That, you, know, you know that every person needs to be mentoring somebody. Every person needs to be leading somebody to Jesus. It doesn't matter how old you are. Doug Stringer said something so awesome last night. He said, maturity isn't based on your age, but your willingness to accept responsibility. 
Maturity is not about your age, but it's about your willingness to take responsibility. I believe that God's going to raise up eight-year-olds, seven-year-olds, six-year-olds, 14-year-olds that are willing to take responsibility and preach the gospel to this generation. Amen? And, and to begin to disciple people. I don't care how young you are. You can take your friends under your wings, and they can become your household, essentially. And you are responsible for them to teach them the word of God and disciple them. Because, because God says that if you do this, he'll give you all of his possessions. That's amazing. As you're faithful with the, with the people that God has put under you, he'll give you more resources and more and, and more power. You know, so many people want to walk in the power and, and, and the gifts and, and release the authority of heaven, but, but you're not being a good steward of what God's already given you. You're not, you're, not, you're not pouring into those two people that God's given you, discipling them. Amen. And as, you, as you're faithful over your household, parents over your household, kids over your friends, that God will bless you because of that. That is, that is his plan to make us ready for his return. But the wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed. And he begins to beat his fellow servants and he eats and drinks with the drunkards. The master of the servant will come on a day when he does not expect it. And in an hour that he doesn't know and will cut him to pieces and, and put him with the hypocrites in that place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus is coming back, you guys. I don't, I don't know about you. I, I, I don't want to be caught just living just this loose kind of crazy lifestyle. There's so much loose, looseness in the church. And I, I, I'm saying this from God's love tonight, you guys. I'm saying it from the heart of the Father, that God loves you so much. He loves you too much to let you die. And I want to be prepared for his coming. I, I, I ask you guys to, to prayerfully consider this weekend to say, Jesus, I, I want to be ready when you come. Let, 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 me, let me tell you something. The, the, the Bible says, it says in 2 Corinthians uh, 13.5, it says to test yourself to see if you're still in the faith. To examine your heart and say, God, what am I doing right now? Am I spending time with you? Am I telling others about you? I, I want you to genuinely ask yourself that question right now. How much time have you spent God with, with God this week? How many people have you told about him? If you're saved, if, if you love this Jesus, if, if, you, if, if you believe the words we sang and the words we, we, we were worshiping with earlier, you would respond to it. And let me tell you something, that, that we cannot do this in our own ability, in our own effort, but the grace of God, God's unlimited ability, and he will enable you to live for him. Let me tell you something, that, that God put us in Christ for a reason. He put us in his son for a reason because he can't have a bad thought about his son. Amen. So when God looks at you, he doesn't have a bad thought about you. He sees an awesome, amazing son and daughter of God that has an incredible call of God in their life. And he's going to do everything in his power to see that it comes into existence. So, some of you guys are just like discouraged, like, oh, man, I had these dreams. I had this vision in my life. I want to live for him. I, I believe that he's coming. I know he's coming back. I want to serve him. But, 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 but it feels like it's just too big for me. Let me tell you something. There's nothing too big for God. There's no vision too big for God. There's no dream too big for God. You can have what God says you can have. You can go where he says you can go. Amen. That all the authority of heaven is waiting to help you out. All the ability and the resources of heaven are waiting to be poured out on you. 
and you carry the glory of God inside of you. Amen. We need to live with urgency tonight. We need to live with expectancy, to expect his coming, not with fear, but with loving hearts, expecting him to, him to come in any moment. We are his bride, and he is our bridegroom. And we, we should long uh, to be with him for eternity. Uh, would you stand with me tonight? I'm going to end with, with this scripture, Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 15. It's so awesome. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 15. It says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. He's training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions to live a self-controlled, upright, godly life in this present age. We're living in the present age. We're living in this moment in time before Jesus is coming. And we are called to live a godly life and to renounce ungodliness. To be a generation that's set apart unto him. Waiting for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Waiting, waiting. And expecting him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit. As I said earlier, I, I, I want you right now to, to examine yourself, to examine your heart. I'm not trying to get you to question your salvation. If you've put your faith in Jesus, your salvation is secure. What I am trying to get you to, to, to question tonight is, am, am I on a path that is leading me? That is leading me away further and further and further from, from Jesus. Let me tell you something, there's a line we can cross. There's a line we can cross to where we're so engrossed in sin that our heart is hardened to God and we're not even able to respond anymore. And I, I, I ask you tonight, is there something, is there a root that you're letting grow in your life right now that doesn't need to be there? That could eventually grow into something that just totally just separates you from God. God loves you so much and he wants to, he wants to by his grace come in tonight and remove it and pour in something. How many of you that God, God's not in the negative business, he's in the positive business, Right? He wants to, you're saying, oh man, I, I, I'm, I'm struggling with this. You know what? If, if, if you're dealing with lust, he, he doesn't want to mess with your lust. He just wants to give you purity. He just wants to give you purity tonight. And his purity, his power is so strong that it will destroy every ounce of sin. If you're dealing with fear tonight, he just wants to give you, he just wants to give you faith. He wants to give you love. His love and his faith is so strong, it will destroy that fear. He's got something to give you tonight that will replace the sin in your life, that will replace it. And I, I, I want us to, but it, it takes an act of faith to receive it. And, and, and repentance is, is not just asking for, give, for forgiveness. Repentance is changing your mind. Repentance is, 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 is a transformation. It's a change. It's saying, God, I'm going to change the way I act, and you're going to help me do it. And so tonight, if, the, if there's something in your life you let grow, it's a root of, of sin, the sin that so easily besets us and lays us back. Before we go any further this weekend, I, I, I wanted to start off with us repenting before the Lord and, and asking God, God, remove this thing and, 
and replace it with something amazing. God is a giver. If he's asking, if he's asking you to, to, to stop doing something, if he's asking you to, to get rid of something in your life, it's because he wants to give you something amazing. He wants to give you something so much better. He wants to give you himself. And sin will kill you. Sin will separate you from God. So I ask you tonight, I, I want to open up the altar tonight. If, if, if first of all, if, if, if you've lacked an urgency about Jesus' coming, if you've said, I, I've just kind of been living just this loose kind of life, and I, I, I want God to restore that urgency and that passion, that fire, that's you. I want you to, I want you to come down tonight. Others of you said there's, there's maybe just a root of something growing in my life. I don't want it there anymore. I want to lay it at this altar, and I, I want to receive something better. If that's you tonight, I want you to come down. Just, you're welcome to come down right now. Jesus, Jesus, God. God, wake us up. Transform us tonight. Pray for transformation tonight, Jesus, in our hearts. I want you just going to pray. Pray. There's some more that need to come down. There's some more that need to come. There's some more that need to walk down right now. You say, well, why do I need to walk down to an altar? God, 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 God loves it when we respond with an act of faith. When we respond with an action of faith. Releases something in our life. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus stuff and him coming back. I, I've never put my faith in him. I, I, I've never given my life to Jesus. It'd be a tragedy tonight if we went any further without giving you the opportunity to put your faith in Jesus, to believe in him. 
You say, man, I messed up. I'm, I've sinned so much. And, uh, I, you know, Jesus lived, Jesus was perfect so you wouldn't have to be perfect, all right? And he died on the cross for your sins. And if you just believe in him tonight, if you'll just, if you'll just say yes to him tonight, he'll save you. Your eternity will be secure with him. You'll spend eternity with him in heaven. But, but another awesome thing is that you'll get to spend your life with him here on earth. And you'll have an amazing life in him, an abundant life. And so uh, I want us all tonight uh, to repeat this prayer after me. If, if, if you want to give your life to Jesus tonight, I want you to say this prayer with us and put your faith in Jesus to be saved tonight. Everybody repeat after me. And, I, and those of you, I want you to repeat this from your heart, to believe it with your heart, and you'll be saved. Say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I'm not perfect. But you died on the cross for my sin, for my failures. And you rose again three days later. You're alive right now. And you want to dwell inside of me. You want to set me free from sin. You want to to give me fellowship with God. And right now I receive it. I receive you as my Savior. I declare you are Lord of my life. And I receive your forgiveness today. My slate is wiped clean. I am forgiven. And your spirit dwells inside of me giving me power to live for you. I love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made that decision tonight for the first time, I I want you to tell the person that you came with, say, hey, man, I gave my life to Jesus tonight. They want to know. They want to celebrate that with you. They they, want to encourage you. Just tell them. They'll be so excited to hear that. And they want to help you walk walk at this life. Sing this with us. For you coming, Lord, prepare my heart. Lord, prepare my heart. Would you sing that with us tonight with faith? For you coming, Lord, Lord, prepare my heart. Prepare my heart, Jesus. For you
every single person who came down the night. God, right now, God, we release an urgency in their lives right now, Jesus, to serve you like they never served you before. Release it in my life. Release it in the lives of every single person who, who didn't walk down here tonight. I pray, God.